Hi, and welcome to the iPhone Life podcast. I'm Donna Cleveland, Editor-in-Chief at iPhone Life. And I'm David Averbach, CEO and publisher. Each episode, we bring to you the best apps, top tips, and great gear in the iOS world. We're going to be talking about iOS 15 rumors today because Apple's Worldwide Developers Conference is coming up June 7th, and we want to give you a heads up of what features are coming to your iPhone. But first, David has a message from our sponsor. So today's sponsor is Pocket Informant, and Pocket Informant has a really great app. It's a calendar app, but it's also an advanced task management app. So imagine adding all of the calendar abilities from Apple Calendar, all of the task management abilities from your Reminders app, but having both of those be even more powerful, and that's what you get with Pocket Informant. One of my favorite features of theirs is what they call a month view you can really use. Uh, And I don't know about you, Donna, I have the hardest time with Apple Calendar seeing a month view and actually seeing what I have going on each day. It's like this weird thing where when you have the month, you just have the numbers and they don't tell you the tasks. So this is a really beautiful view that makes it really easy to see what you have going on each day. Um, And you also are combining all of those abilities into just one app. So again, it's called uh, Informant 5, uh, and it is in the App Store now, and it is free to try. Thanks. Next, I want to tell you about our Daily Tip newsletter. We have a free offering where we send you a tip a day in your inbox that teaches you something cool that you can do in your iPhone in under one minute. So it's a really low time investment. It's our completely free offering. And it's we've had it around for how, how long has it been, David? Like almost eight years or something? Yeah, geez, I think it was 2014. <laughs> yeah, so it's been a long time and um, and it's it's very, very popular amongst our listeners and readers. And you can go and sign up at iphonelife.com slash daily tips. I have a tip that I wanted to share this week and it's how to stop apps from disappearing from your iPhone. This is a feature that um, I had enabled at some point and found it very annoying and forgot about it. So I wasn't sure what was happening. And um, basically a couple of years ago, at some point, Apple came out with a feature that, um, that unloads unused apps off of your iPhone. It keeps the icon there, but in order to use the app, you have to re-download it. And it's Apple's attempt to help clear up any, um, to free up storage, local storage on your iPhone, um, because a lot of times that's like coveted space on your phone. So the trade-off there is yes, your Apple's helping you with your storage management, but the downside is sometimes there's an app that you might use really only a couple times a year, but when you need it, you really need it. Uh, the example David's given before is if you're at the airport and you're trying to check in for your flight on the, your airline app and you haven't used it for a year and you aren't on good, like you don't have good service to download the app, that can be a very annoying, um, annoying thing to have had your that app offloaded. So you can solve this. Let me walk you through the settings that you go to. So you open the settings app, tap app store, and then you wanna, there's a toggle that says offload unused apps and you wanna make sure that's grayed out, that it's toggled off. 
Also, like this this tip, I think used to be more relevant to me when I used to buy iPhones that did not have a lot of local storage, and I now prioritize getting higher storage <laughs> phones. And so, I'd rather just have all the apps I downloaded always easily available to me and not have to reinstall them. What do you have? Do you have this setting enabled, David? No, I, you're preaching to the choir here. I hate this feature. <laughs> I think it's so bad, and it's like I understand why Apple did it. But the problem is mm -hmm. that it's really aggressive in offloading apps. It offloads like pretty much any app that you're not using on like a daily or maybe like a weekly basis. And so I found it happening pretty frequently where I'd go to use an app and it would just be off my phone and trying to re-download it and trying to do it over cellular because I'm not in my house and then I can't use the app. So yeah, I hate it. Uh, most of the time I think Apple also is pretty aggressive in trying to get you to use this feature. Uh, and most of you, if you have this on, probably what happened was if you are trying to manage your storage, you get a little like some tips of like, here's ways you can free up storage. And it's always one of the ways that's on there. And it does free up a lot of space. So if you are somebody who's listening to this and <laughs> you are not heeding our warnings or you're just really desperate for space, it does free up a lot of space. And so it, pro it pops up when you're trying to clear storage out and says, hey, push this button and you save 13 gigabytes of data uh, of storage. And it's really tempting to do. But I agree with you. I don't recommend it. I think it's so frustrating. And the example you gave is like the perfect one, which is when you're traveling, you don't have good service and you really need some of those apps and they're offloaded because you don't travel every day. Yeah, which by the way, I got distracted when I was trying to describe this to you because I looked out the window and there's an enormous lizard on a tree that was just staring through the window <laughs> right at me while I was trying to tell you all about this. Was... <laughs> but it has he moved needs away. iPhone tips too. <laughs> I'm glad there's a window between both of us. Um, but yeah, I, this is like you said, it's a, the tip is how to get apps to stop disappearing from your phone, but you could turn around and be like, oh, I actually have low storage on my phone. I want to enable this feature. It's a personal preference thing, but I think a lot of people since Apple introduced this feature have been puzzled when they're looking for an app that they used to be able to use and it says it's not installed on your phone. What? Um, Let me ask and, you as we as we as we're talking about storage options on phones, how much what storage did you buy? I'm curious now. I have 128 gigabytes. Okay. And that's is that the base model now or is 64 <laughs> the base? Uh, I, 64 is still the base, at least in the 12. The 12 Pro, I think it actually might be the base model. I would have to double check on that. Um, but Apple keeps on bumping it up, making yeah. you pay less for for that amount of storage. Because um, I was going to say, I just looked and I, I had that. forgotten this, but I have, I bought the 256 gigabyte model. <laughs> Um, and oh, I, because I, yeah, and, and I agree with your recommendation. It's worth it. It's just so much nicer to never have to think about these things. And it's only an extra, what, 50 bucks or something. Yeah. So for the pro models, 128 is the base model. So I, I got the base model 12 pro. Okay. Uh, but 64 even, I mean, it's, it's still a lot more than you used to be able to get for a base model. Um, but I think I would get tight with that amount. And at 128, I'm pretty comfortable. Yeah. Do you have the feature on that um, optimizing storage option on your iCloud photo library? Or can you? Do you not have to do that because you I, have so much space? 
No, because well, iCloud storage library, like iCloud is a different storage, uh, and I am struggling with. Well, my but when you storage. optimize, when you optimize the storage on your local device, that's a local storage feature. I'm pretty sure, like, because the 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 point of it is that they only store like thumbnails on your actual phone, and you have to download to get the full resolution version of your oh, image oh, oh, from oh, the yeah, cloud. Yeah, yeah. So I believe it is a local storage setting. I now understand what you're saying. Yes, I do have that turned on, and that does save me a lot of space. I am in iCloud storage. Uh, I don't know if I'm allowed to say the word. Um, <laughs> uh, it's a. I am struggling with my iCloud storage at the moment because my partner and I are now on a family plan, and we both have a ton of photos. She has 93 gigabytes of photos, and I have 50. I have 64 gigabytes of photos. Um, and so Whoa. we, yeah, and I don't know what's happened, but we're struggling to get it under that 200 gigabyte limit. But the next year up is two terabytes, which is like, I don't want to pay that much money. It's, there's a weird gap between You should get Apple One. I was thinking about, the, well, what, tell me about Apple One. What does Apple One do for me? <laughs> well, Apple One, I, I use Apple Fitness Plus. So I like okay. that's one of the things you get with an Apple One, one subscription. Um, you can share with up to six family members. So um, like right now I'm doing it with my parents and sisters and Tyler's on it as well, um, which honestly, I don't know if that's the way you're supposed to be using it because we're not all in one household. But um, it's it, so for us, it like ends up being very affordable and it includes Apple Music Apple News, um, it, it, they wrap in a lot of the subscriptions. I, yeah. If there's any other ones that are included in that, I don't know because I don't use it, <laughs> use them. But the, um, oh, also Apple TV Plus. Okay, see, here's the real problem that I'm struggling with. I don't, I was, because I, I was really thinking about this a lot last night. I don't use any of Apple's subscription services. We'll talk about it in a second because we're going to talk about Apple's new lossless audio but i don't use apple music i don't use fitness plus i really don't like their news service and so it's uh, there's not a lot there for me in it i do like ted lasso have you seen ted lasso the show i like started an episode and i wasn't into it apple tv plus the main one that i've liked is that um news anchor show with jennifer aniston that i'm now struggling to remember the name of yeah i know what you're talking it's about, about the me too movement yeah um so that was a good show, but I haven't gotten into much of the other Apple TV Plus content yet. Um, I just like that I have, like we have a huge amount of storage. It's either one or two terabytes. Um, and I do use Apple Fitness Plus and I'm enjoying that. And I like having, I mean, I like having as many TV subscription services as I possibly can so that it increases my chances of being able to watch whatever I want. Yeah, I agree. I agree with that. As of now, my Apple TV Plus is free. I will reevaluate after. Um, we, we should move on, but let me wrap up by telling you how I solved this problem, which is a okay. very imperfect solution. <laughs> uh, my partner got kicked off of my family plan storage. So she is now paying for her own storage. Uh, so she has her own 100 gigabytes of storage. I now have my 200 gigabytes because I freed up my space from her. Actually, me and my stepson share storage now. But it was this weird thing where that was the only cost-effective solution because we're paying like 99 cents a month for uh, the storage. She's paying 99 cents a month and I'm paying 99 cents a month. But had we gone up to the two terabytes, it was 9.99 a month. 
Um, so it was this really weird thing where that was the only option was to like separate our storage plans. Um, so I guess this is sort of a bonus complaint in learning. I don't know. <laughs> it is weird that they it jumps up so much after that point. So it sounds like you made the best best choice for your situation for it now feels at least. Like- it feels like we need something for we need Apple to help us with our store with our iPhone um, photo storage because that's really the problem is we all have so many photos now and nobody like it just gets more and more over time because we're all taking photos and nobody's deleting photos and so it's like what do we do Apple's just waiting for us to pay them more and more money <laughs> I know you could put it on some sort of external hard drive but then you don't have it accessible on your phone which sucks yeah and nobody nobody has the energy for that. Yeah. <laughs> or you could put it on Google Photos, but then uh, you have some real privacy concerns. Yeah, you're having your photos data mined. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, all right, well, moving along. Uh, <laughs> we got really in the weeds. Yeah, there, I was like, I, think, I don't remember. that was valuable. <laughs> yeah, it's it's getting back to this, the whole iCloud storage and, and your local iPhone storage issues. Um based off of that tip. So uh, anyways, if you want to sign up for the, our free tip of the day newsletter, go to <laughs> iphonelife.com slash daily tips. And moving along, we have a premium service called iPhone Life Insider. I wanted to take a minute to tell you about. It is our premium educational platform. And once you sign up, we really hold your hand in helping you learn how to take advantage of all of your Apple devices. Uh, we have live online courses now that you have unlimited access to, so you can uh, tune in with our live instructors for weekly sessions with um, also uh, hundreds of fellow students and learn about things ranging from iOS 15, which we have coming up this fall, to photo management, which we have in July. You also get an um, access to our full library of in-depth video guides and that come with downloadable PDFs along with it. Uh, you get a digital subscription to iPhone Life magazine and including our full archive, daily video tips that teach you something you can do with your iPhone in one minute in video form that you can follow along with. And you get our Ask an Expert service where if you're having any tech issues, you can reach out to us personally and we'll help guide you to a solution. Um, You get a guaranteed answer to your questions. And finally, you get an ad-free version of this podcast with bonus content from me and David as well. So if you go to iphonelife.com slash podcast discount, you get 10% off of your annual subscription to iPhone Life Insider. So that's a special discount just for our podcast listeners. So go check it out. iphonelife.com slash podcast discount. And just to put in one extra plug, we have the iOS 14.5 guide, or rather we are re-releasing our iOS 14 guide completely updated for everything you need to know for iOS 14.5. And iOS 14.5 was huge. There were so many updates across spanning so many different apps. It almost was like an entirely new operating system. So if you are pretty much anybody, you should get this because you need to learn how to use all the iOS 14.5 tips, including the uh, all the new privacy features that just came out, which I think we're just about to talk about. Yeah, we weigh in on the, or help you weigh, weigh all of your options in terms of whether you want to opt in or out of apps tracking you across um, other apps and websites. David and I talked about this issue in our last episode, so go back to episode 159 if you want to catch up on that. 
Also, you'll learn how to use AirTags. I know a lot of you are buying AirTags right now and have some questions about it and also some concerns about the ability to potentially use it or people using it to, to track other people unknown to them. So we get into that and teach you how to set up your AirTag as well. Um, it's been getting really good reviews. And so I'm excited. I'm getting an AirTag in the next couple of weeks. I know Noah ordered one for me. So, um, but yes, Elizabeth, one of our feature writers is the one who wrote about this. And she of course had lots of hands-on time with it and tested it out in different situations before writing about it. So, um, those are just a couple examples. There are a bunch of other cool iOS 14.5 features like sorting your reminders and new ways to start FaceTime calls with Siri. So um, I think you'll really enjoy this guide. If you if you sign up right now, you'll um, be in time to access that this Thursday when we release it. Um, we actually, on a related note, we had a couple of insider questions using our Ask an Expert service and I wanted to read one of them out to you and it is about the iOS 14.5 update and here's the question the new privacy feature in 14.5 if you want to prevent facebook from gathering info on you do you have to uninstall and then reinstall the app it's unclear how apps that are already installed on my iphone or ipad will be handled on this subject thank you uh, the answer to that is that you do not have to uninstall and reinstall the, these will be coming through app updates so um, make sure that you open the app store and go to the update section. And if you see any apps like Facebook or Instagram that have new updates, install those. And then it's just when you open those apps, you'll get a little screen, you'll get an option that pops up that will try to convince you not to opt out because Facebook and Instagram don't want you to, but, but you'll be able to at that time. We also have a couple comments from listeners. Uh, one of them is about the AirTag, so I thought that would be fun to read out. Dave wrote in, I just received four AirTags. You can get a four pack, I guess. I have a question. I have two cars and I have an AirTag on each car key. If I go on a two week vacation and leave one car and it's key at home, what happens to the AirTag on the key that is left at home? As I recall, it will beep after three days or so. So what Dave is referring to is a safety feature that Apple has enabled that if you put a tracker on someone and you don't go come within range of your iPhone within three days, that um, tracker will start making beeping noises because it could be being used to track someone. Presume, like Basically, the assumption is that if you're using it on things like your keys or your purse, you'll be coming in contact with it regularly. And so um, it will know that you're just using it for your own items and not to track another person somewhere else. Um, so the workaround for this that that I would think of, Dave, is just to um, un not uninstall, disconnect the AirTag from your iPhone that you're leaving at home before you go on your trip so that it's not beeping while you're gone. Because I think you're right. If the safety features are working the way they should, it will start beeping if you're gone longer than three days. I'm glad but, you had um, an answer to the, that because I, I read that <laughs> and I was like, ooh, I don't know. Um, now, this is a question that probably Elizabeth will have answers to, but you and I have not really used the AirTags yet. Um, is There's not an interface that you can use to navigate this sort of thing to be like, I'm going on vacation, don't start beeping. I think the best option, like you set up your AirTag through the Find My app and it's a pretty okay. easy um, process just to connect or disconnect an air tag there. So she's just saying go in and tap disconnect. Cause right now I don't they I don't think they have built out things like vacation mode 
mm-hmm. or anything like that. Because um, I actually, I, I sent this question to Elizabeth and had her help me answer it since she is writing the reviews and testing it. And that's what she said. That makes sense. I was so impressed at your AirTag knowledge without ever having used them. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Well, excellent question though, Dave. And that brought up a really interesting, uh, tricky area with AirTags that I hadn't thought about. Yeah, Dave actually, he wrote in a separate comment. This is from a different episode I wanted to read out as well. Um, I've been using my Apple Watch to unlock my iPhone. We had a tip on this recently. I love it. I'm curious when you were talking about not being able to use it to unlock for Apple Pay. I use my Apple Watch for Apple Pay almost exclusively. I really enjoy your show. Thanks, Dave. So that was a good basically little correction for us before because David and I hadn't tested out the ability to use um, to use it with Apple Pay, your Apple Watch, and no, it, it was. I mean, let, oh, let me sorry. clarify because it wasn't. He, there, it got lost in translation. So basically, what I was complaining about is so with iOS fourteen point five, and again in our guide, we will walk you through how to do this. If you have an Apple Watch and you're wearing a mask and you go to use Apple Pay on your phone. Uh, so, okay, let me back up. If you have a mask and you try to open your phone uh, and you have your Apple Watch on, it will automatically unlock your phone because it knows that you have an Apple Watch on. Um, in other words, you do not need to enter in a passcode when you have a mask if you have an Apple Watch on. But if I go to pay for something with my phone using Apple Pay, it requires me to put in a passcode even though I have my Apple Watch on. So it's an extra... No, to use most features on my phone, I do not need to do a passcode. For Apple Pay, I do need to use a passcode. And I was complaining about that. Um, now, you can do Apple Pay from your watch uh, as well. So I guess that is a good point that you, I could just be mm. doing it from my watch, which is what I should do. <laughs> right. And one, like, as a side note, too, just using your Apple Watch when you're out at a physical store is, um, to pay for things is really convenient. It's one of the best. Yeah features of my Apple Watch, I think, like because you don't ha- actually have to have your Apple Watch paired to your iPhone even to do that, and you can go pay for things. So yeah, we, we didn't mean that you can't use your Apple Watch for Apple Pay, um, Yeah, but I understand now. I, I, got, I forgot exactly what we'd said in that discussion, so um, it's thanks for clarifying. It's complicated because there's, so there's so many different ways you can pay for things and so many different ways you can unlock your phone now. So we got there, right. and it was, it was a good clarification because I should just start using my Apple Watch to pay for things. And as a side note, I love Apple Pay so much. It's so convenient. I agree. So David, you, um, I have for the news section that you will be updating us on Apple's new announcement <laughs> that they uh, <laughs> announced lossless audio for, the, for Apple Music. Yeah, so this happened, I think, yesterday. Uh, and there's a, there's several pieces here to unpack. So I'll give you the headline first, which is that Apple announced that starting in June, they will offer uh, the ability to have lossless audio through Apple Music. So uh, a lossless audio basically is a compression format that allows for high quality audio. Uh, it's basically CD quality audio. So when we all started using uh, streaming services to listen to music, one of the side effects that happened that doesn't get talked about very much is we're actually listening to lower quality audio versions of all of the songs. Um, and so we, we're doing that because to use high quality audio requires us to use a lot of bandwidth either for cellular or on Wi-Fi. And so it's a way of both um, using less 
data if you're downloading to your phone and also for not if you have slow Wi-Fi. But we're, you know, in the years since streaming services have become more, have become readily available, uh, Wi-Fi is faster. We have 5G now. So we're at a point where Apple feels like we can offer, they can offer high quality audio. So that's really exciting. The other thing that's exciting about it is that uh, it's going to be free. So tip a lot of streaming services have had this already. Um, Apple or Amazon Music had it, but it was uh, you have to pay extra for it. Um, but it's going to be free from Apple. So that's the good news. But let me back up a little bit because there's some complications here. Uh, the biggest complication that's funny and everybody's kind of making fun of Apple for this, almost none, actually I can't think of any Apple product that supports uh, high quality audio. So Apple sells, like, I think their AirPod Max headphones are like $550. They don't support high quality audio. AirPods don't support high quality audio. HomePod doesn't. And so now suddenly Apple's turning on this feature that its own products do not support. Um, so we're in kind of a weird place with this. Um, but it, it is a, I think it's a, it's definitely a step in the right direction. I'm guessing Apple will update their entire audio lineup this fall to support it. Uh, and then also one other thing as a side note, Spotify also announced that in uh, coming up this year, they will also have lossless audio. So all the streaming services are going to start offering higher quality audio, which I think is an excellent thing. Um, but you all are going to need the right speakers and or headphones to support it, which most speakers headphones don't. In general, Bluetooth speakers uh, and headphones just by default won't support high quality audio because Bluetooth is in fact a compression algorithm. So it's going to compress your audio. If you are streaming via AirPlay, uh, then it is lossless, um, but then you need to be streaming to a speaker that can support high quality audio. So that was a lot, um, but that's that's the update. <laughs> I mean, it also makes you wonder if Apple will be coming out with more products soon that do support lossless audio, I think, do you think? I think they got stuck in a chicken and an egg thing, because actually one of the interesting things about the rumors was they were rumored to be announcing new AirPods at the same time. They didn't mm. do that. Um, they kicked that can down the road. But I think it's like if you announce... If you announce speakers and headphones that support high quality audio, but you Apple Music doesn't, everybody gets mad. And if you announce Apple Music supporting high quality audio and your speakers and headphones don't, everybody gets mad. So I agree with you. I think I will be shocked if come September they are not announcing speakers and headphones that support high quality audio. Yeah, I mean, we had all kinds of AirPods rumors this spring and we we're expecting them at this last announcement. I wonder if we'll have to wait for the fall for new AirPods or if maybe we could even get them at WWDC. It's possible, but I think every year we all speculate about what hardware will be announced at WWDC and most <laughs> years there are, is not hardware announced at WWDC. So I'm not holding my sure. breath, but we'll see. Speaking of WWDC, I'll tell you about the iOS 15 rumors. So just to remind you all, this is the Worldwide Developers Conference. Apple holds it every year in June. This year it's June 7th. That's when the keynote will take place and Apple will debut all the features coming with the software update for your iPhone. And um, they'll also be releasing software for, they'll be debuting software for all your other devices too, including the iPad, Apple Watch, etc. cetera. Um, and usually how this works is that 
you just get a sneak peek at WWDC. Then starting in July, there's a public beta program. So if you want to opt in and test out features, you can, but it will likely be buggy. Of course, we'll be testing all those features and so that we can be mastering them and teaching you how to use them. But really, it won't be till September till they have a more polished version, the public shipping version that you install on your phone. Uh, so I wanted to tell you some of the features that we're, we're expecting to see with iOS 15. It's kind of interesting that Apple released so many big one, big features with iOS 14.5 instead of waiting for mm -hmm. iOS 15. Um, but the one that I think is the most exciting is um, Bloomberg had a report recently saying that there will be there will be activity based notification preferences. So from your lock screen, screen or control center, you can set what activity you're doing. It can be like sleeping, working, working out, and you can have tailored what you want your notifications to look like for that activity. Presumably, you'd set that up in your settings app. Um, so you might. And you, for instance, when you're working out, you can have even set up automatic responses to text messages that's based on that specific activity. So you could set that you're working out and then have messages going out being like, at yoga, we'll message you afterwards or something like that. Um, so that sounded really interesting to me. And then the other thing was that there will be lock screen widgets. And so this is something that you could set from a widget on your lock screen. And you can also add other widgets to your lock screen, like your weather, finally. Mm -hmm. um, and, um, you know, think, like, things like your reminders app. Um, there'll be third party options, too. This is something that I've been wanting for years. I feel like every year recently, Apple is improving its widget options, <laughs> starting with having them tucked into today view. But I think the final push would be to be able to have them on your lock screen, which it looks like we'll be getting. Cool, yeah. Are you excited I, about either um, of those? I'm trying to decide. I think <laughs> notification controls seems really valuable. Um, you know, at minimum, I would love to be able to set different notification, like my do not disturb. I would love to be able to manage that based on at least by day, if not by like activity. Because a lot of times on the weekends, I go to bed later than I do on the weekdays. And so I have to like find this weird medium where if I go to bed early on a weekday, my phone isn't going to wake me up by buzzing. But if I'm up because when it when it do not disturb gets turned on, I don't notice, and so if I'm out and I my phone gets put on do not disturb, I just suddenly start missing all my messages. So I would I mm -hmm. do appreciate the value of being able to have more fine tuned controls. I hope they do it right because so far they haven't they haven't had the best track record for for this um, lock screen widgets. I think it's cool, especially if, like I agree the weather. I have. Um, my weather app, Yahoo Weather, sends me a notification each morning and tells me what the weather's going to be. But it's sort of like a half-baked solution. So I think being able to just turn on my lock screen and see the weather seems nice. I, I would like that, yeah. Yeah, lock screen widgets I'm specifically excited about. Um, auto responses, I have never been a fan of using. Me neither. I like on my Apple Watch having some suggested responses but I r rarely end up using them. I just find like most of the time I do need to end up saying something that's specific to that person. And it always feels weird to, to use some sort of canned response. I'm even more uncomfortable with having it sent without me even doing anything. Like um, do not disturb while driving has an option that could text 
literally anybody who texts you back with a message that says you're driving and will write them back when you're not driving anymore. And I do not like having that enabled. Um, so if it's anything like that, I won't use it. If it's something that would give me some like I'm working out options I could text someone back with, maybe I would use that, but I don't think so. Why? Let me ask you why. Why don't you? Is it because then they're like, are you done driving yet? And you're like, yeah, but I still don't want to message you. <laughs> yeah, I think it, it's a combination of it feeling a bit like an invasion of privacy. Uh, like I don't really feel like if someone texts me back that I owe them a response right away anyway. Like I'm mm. more in that camp of feeling like I'll get back to you when I get back to you. <laughs> and yeah. then the other thing is just that um, I think it almost even though you're communicating more that to me it introduces more chances for like a weird miscommunication like if the canned response didn't seem friendly enough maybe it would create a weird vibe you know like a lot of the um a lot of the canned responses that apple has are something sort of like i'm working what do you need or like something like that i just feel like i <laughs> In meeting, we'll call. <laughs> yeah, I, I want to write something that feels a little more thoughtful. Yeah, I think. yeah. What about but you? Also, yeah, I I agree with you in that I don't have any of those turned on. So, um, but I have I have CarPlay. So I think in that sense, it's like if I want to respond while I'm in the car, I, I will respond. And if I don't, it's not because I'm driving. It's because I don't want to respond. <laughs> um, so yeah, I, I I could see that. And if you do try to customize it, it can come. A, come across really silly i have one friend who's like uh it's like this is owen's phone he is driving when he is done he will message you and it's like okay dude <laughs> it's like i didn't need to know that basically just yeah. get back to me when you get back to me was, i mean i think yeah. the features the iMessage features that i would find really helpful which you and i have been like predicting or hoping for every year has been the ability to mark messages as unread so that like you can do this in your email and so you can yeah. peek at an email when you don't have time to respond, mark it as unread so that you're sure to get to it later and not forget about it. With your messages, you can't do that. So the downside of what I'm talking about is sometimes I will see a message and intend to write back later and then since it's not marked as unread, I can just forget about it. And the yeah, other totally. thing is I wish you could schedule text messages. Like sometimes I'll read something like in the middle of the night and I don't wanna, send it to the person a, a response at that time in case they have notifications turned on and I wake them up. Um, mm -hmm. I think you should be able to schedule texts text as well. I think those are excellent. Um, the one that I've been asking for for years and still we don't have is the ability to have multiple accounts on, on an iPad. iPhone, I can see maybe, maybe not, but an iPad in particular, it's like we have it on computers and iPads are just so often family devices where so many people are using it and your iPad is like because it's a giant iPhone is often linked to like my texting and my photos like all of these things where now my stepson has so much access to like anything in my life my email and so I think it would be really easy to similar to a computer have multiple accounts on an iPad. I know. I'm still mad years, Apple hasn't given these like things. Yeah. Five years I've been asking for this. Um, I'm seeing here, tell me about the rumors for the iMessage update. That sounds interesting. Yeah. So, yeah, David and I verged into just some of the, like, what we want to see but have not seen in the rumor mill. But um, back to the Bloomberg report, there, there are rumors of iMessage upgrades. And 
Um, what they're saying is that it would make it more like social media and more of a rival for WhatsApp, which is owned by Facebook. I use WhatsApp and I don't really think it's like social media, or at least the way I've been using it is not. So I don't know like why, like what features of WhatsApp that that would be referring to. But some of the um, options that you do have on WhatsApp is the ability to format your text more. Um, disappearing messages could be an option. And um, what are some of the other features that you you could think of that would make it more like like social media? I wasn't sure. I, like nothing was coming to mind immediately with that. Yeah, I mean, I don't use WhatsApp very much, so I don't have big opinions on it. And Apple, in general, to me, has a mixed track record when it comes to iMessage. Like iMessage overall is a really amazing app. Uh, it's one of like the biggest perks of using iPhones is iMessage, and it's one of the reasons why I don't like people of Android. No, just kidding. Uh, but the social message features, oh, they, uh, they strike me as similar to like the ability to send somebody a heartbeat, which is like Apple does these little gimmicky features that nobody cares about because sometimes Apple doesn't know what's cool. Um, but the features yeah. that do sound cool, the ones you were saying, like formatting text messages, yeah, I like that. Even disappearing text messages, I could see a value in that. Um, so I don't know. There's, it's a mixed bag. I feel like Apple needs to steer clear of like the gimmicky features and really focus on the really valuable features. Like I know. I'm like trying to imagine like if it's like social media, would you be able to do things like send stories to friends? You know, like Instagram stories that disappear after 24 hours. Like maybe you could do things like that. I don't know. But I would rather just use Instagram for that. Um, yeah. Yeah. So we'll see, but I do think that WhatsApp, the only reason I use it is because it's um, easier to use with Android phones. Like maybe if Apple could make iMessage easier to use, like, you know, between uh, Apple and Android users, that would be nice too, but yeah. I don't know. Yeah, so the final thing is that there, there'll probably be more privacy updates with iOS 15. Apple has been putting a big emphasis on giving users more control over the way their data is being used. Um, so with iOS 14.5, you can now block apps on an individual basis from tracking you across sites and websites. And with iOS 15, the rumor is that there will be like a menu in your settings app in, in the privacy settings that will show you all the apps that are tracking you across sites and apps so you can go manage it from there as well. Um, so there's like would be one place to go to as opposed to right now it's whenever an app is updated and you open it that app will give you an option to opt out of tracking but it's nice to, it would be nice to have a centralized place to look at that Ooh, you know what other uh feature i hope they come out with i i said this in the podcast recently so i'm repeating myself here but i think it was in the insider part of the podcast i don't remember uh mm -hmm. i hope they have a full-fledged password management solution like right now, the iCloud keychain is kind of half-baked and I hope they have a full-fledged uh, password management solution. Yeah, that would be great. I I feel like it the, the password management that, that Apple has now is getting better and better, but you're right, it's not, it's not as good as some of the paid password management services you can use at this point, so. No, you really need to have an app and you need, it to have a, you need a Mac app and an iPhone app and you need to be able to use uh, you need to be able to have the um, place like a uh, an extension on your browser where you can access that a little more easily. 
there's a lot that they need to do that other password management tools are doing. Yeah. That, this leads to our question of the week. We've told you some of the features we're personally hoping for in iOS 15. So let us know what features are you hoping for with iOS 15. Email us at podcast at iphonelife.com and let us know. And just to back up for a second, so WWDC, which is a- Apple's worldwide developer conference, is where Apple announces all the features, like Donna said. That is June 7th, I believe. Is that correct? Yes. And David cool. and I will be having a live, or we'll, we'll be having a podcast recording right afterwards to give you all the updates and analysis of the event. Also, iPhoneLife.com is where you can go for live coverage of the event. Yeah. Uh, and can I tell you something interesting that I learned yesterday? Yeah. Um, so Apple, we haven't covered it much in the podcast. Apple has this huge trial going on with Epic for for a uh, maker of Fortnite about the App Store. One of the little pieces of information that came out from Phil Schiller yesterday is Apple spends $50 million on WWDC each year. Isn't that crazy? Wow, really? Yeah. Wow. Like, what are all they spending that on? I don't know. I think because I think what we associate as WWDC is just that keynote, but in reality, they have a week's worth of programming. So I think they do a lot there. Um, Even when it's yeah. virtual, though, I know they also have like scholarships and stuff they offer. So maybe that's part of what they're paying for. Like maybe that only they that um, students and things like that can get scholarships to attend the event. Maybe. But I yeah. Don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Um, <laughs> and then one other rumor that I just read about that I am excited about is their rumors of new MacBook Pros coming out later this year. Did you read this? No, that's exciting. I know, it's, it's like Especially hot for off you, the presses. Especially for you, because you want one. I really want one. I've been I mean, I want out. one too, but I did just get a MacBook <laughs> Air with the M1, so. Yeah, I mean, my computer's great. I have a, I have a very nice MacBook Pro, but I've been, I really want the new chip, and I'm, I'm, I'm about ready to, like, where I could maybe justify an upgrade, and so I probably will do with an upgrade. Uh, but in addition to having uh, the new, it, I'm guessing it'll be an M2 chip. I think it'll be a more advanced chip. It's gonna That's have what I was about my, to ask you. Yeah, if you thought I it'd be the M1 so. or M2, yeah, definitely will either be M1 or M2. Um, and it'll the other rumor though that I didn't think about but I instantly got really excited about was it's gonna have a micro LED display. Oh, nice! So it's gonna be a really high quality display, which is what the newest iPad has. Yeah, and that makes sense iPad because Pro. iPads, yeah, the iPad Pro is like a similar size display. So if you're gonna put it, it's not like. It's not like where iPhones have an OLED display, but they don't want to put it on a, on a, like an iMac because it's a huge screen and way more expensive. It's about the same size, so it makes sense that they're going to do it. Uh, and I yeah. am very excited. And just to explain that, could you explain that a little bit to listeners? Because when I first read micro LED, that meant nothing to me. Um, and I know that the OLED display is so amazing, but it costs a lot, and the OLED mm-hmm. is what what you have in the higher end iPhones. So um what's what's the what's so special about micro led okay so first of all oled displays are in general nicer than micro led so oled displays are the nicest but let me back back into it basically how an led display works is you have a backlight it's literally an led and then you have pixels in front of it and the pixels each individual pixel will basically filter the light coming through from the LED as red, green, blue, RGB. Uh, And so you have thousands of pixels and they will be uh, 
the, each one will individually either be red, green, or blue, and it'll then create an image. The typical, I think, the, I can't remember the exact stats, so you'll don't quote me on this, but iPad, so an iPad screen that was like 11 inches, had something like seven LEDs behind it, so seven lights that were that were lighting this up. A micro LED, as the name would imply, has much smaller LEDs, which means you can fit a lot more LEDs in the display. I think it was like 1,200 LEDs. So you end up with way more um, LEDs, and that gives you a couple powerful things. Number one, you can just have literally more light, which isn't just about brightness of the display, but also gives you a much wider range of colors if, in contrast, if you have, because you can vary each LED and how, how much light is lighting up. So basically the idea is it gives you, having more LEDs in the display gives you the ability to have a wider range of colors, wider color contrast, um, crisper image. It, um, so it just improves the quality of the display. Now o, OLED or OLED, is each individual pixel illuminates itself. So whereas an LED display has the, the LED and then the pixel, in OLED, each one is individually illuminating. And that allows you to, of course, have even more color contrast, but it also allows you to have a true black because if you have uh, an LED behind it, even if a pixel isn't displaying a color, there's a little bit of leakage from the LED behind it. And so OLED allows you to have true black, which really improves the quality. So that that's where is, you get those like deep inky blacks that yeah. are so nice. And that's that, yeah, where I, that, I, I, which by the way, I really feel like just for the OLED display alone, it's worth getting the pro iPhones. I agree. And I know that this sounds really geeky and technical to talk about, but it really does make a difference in terms of your experience. Even if you're not in your head being like, oh, I see a thousand micro LEDs here, you're going to actually see a difference in picture quality. Um, yeah. I, I actually just went from, uh, because we're going back to the office soon, which I'm really excited about. So I've been working in the office um, where I have a 5K display instead of a 4K display, and the quality was so noticeably better. <laughs> so it, you do notice this stuff even if you don't really understand the mechanics behind it. Um, and I think that it'll be a large step up for a, a Mac. I'm excited. Cool. All right, well, this wraps up our 160th episode of the iPhone Life podcast. Thank you all so much for tuning in. Uh, and every few episodes, I'd just like to ask you all a favor, which is to go and rate the iPhone Life podcast on Apple Podcasts. That just helps other listeners like you find our show. So if you enjoy it, let us know, rate us, leave a review if you want. And that would be a really amazing way to help us out and keep help us keep doing what we're doing. Thank you all so much for tuning in and thank you for rating and reviewing. Bye. Bye.